is a classic show. How can you even compare the two? It was the last season of The Americans. I absolutely adored that show. Well, come on, we need to find some rockets. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard on Sensibly Loud Radio. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It is Tuesday night, a gorgeous night here in Dallas, Texas, and we're coming to you live from Sensibly Loud Media HQ. I am your host, J-Mac, and I am joined by B-Easy on the ones and twos. Brandon, good evening. Good evening. What up, what up, what up? We are also joined in studio this evening by a legend who is making his probably third appearance now on Sensibly Loud Radio. We bring to our faithful listeners... Mr. Ben Baseball. Ben Baseball. Howdy, folks. What's going on? Happy New Year, everybody. Good to be back. Good to have you back, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I very much enjoyed y'all's last two episodes. I listened to them... uh, on a family trip recently. It's quite nice. Get on the airplane, put on some sensibly loud radio. Perfect, right? Absolutely. So you're here to give your top 10 albums as well, right? Yes. So uh, I was inspired, as it were, by y'all's most recent episode, where we were joined by none other than Claire Peachy on our podcast uh, to talk about her, Brandon, and J-Mac's top 10 records. They were vastly different, I feel like. They were. Um, I feel like at certain points, some of the tracks could have been on like a Now That's What I Call Music volume something from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see it. Give my wife mad credit for that joke. That was awesome. I'll give her an applause. How about that? No, otherwise, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of, um, I think... Each one of you had like something that was more of an unexpected sort of track. I knew Justin was going to have the Third Eye Blind at the top spot. I was not expecting as much Dave Matthews as I heard from Brandon. The Nine Inch Nails wasn't a surprise, but the Dave Matthews was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dave's been one of my... He called him Dave. I knew he was going to call him Dave. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think... uh, I don't know if Late for the Sky is necessarily going to make it onto a Now soundtrack. I don't know (laughs) if that... (laughs) That'd be quite the departure from like Katy Perry and the like. No, sure. Um, I think I was really, I really expected Justin, you to drop in with the Jackson Brown uh, knowing you, but I wasn't expecting Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac guy. You don't like him regular size? No. (laughs) That was a really bad joke. Brandon laughed. That's what counts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's one of my favorite albums of all time, man. I think I, I just love the rawness about that album and just the fact that they all like were all coked out and, you know, boozed out and just got fucked up and wrote some music. And like at the end of the day, like you guys can attest to this. That's what writing music's all about. You write sure. your best music when you're fucked up. You may not remember it, but you write it. <laughs> That's why no? all my songs have been garbage for 10 years. <laughs> well, no. I don't think it applies to everybody. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Just Mick Fleetwood, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And some Yeah, not the people you haven't heard of. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, good point. Well, it's a new year here at Sensibly Loud. One of the other reasons I wanted to have been on is that we are approaching our one year anniversary as a company. Cannot believe it's been twelve months. I can't believe that there's a company at all. 
No, I know. Uh, so I was looking it up today. The first episode of our first podcast, The Outfielder, episode 101, off-season edition, dropped on January 31st. So we are just shy of the one-year anniversary. Holy cow. It has been a wild ride so far, I, to say the least. Uh, we have learned a shit ton. I mean, we knew nothing about this. We literally, Ben, you're using a mic that you used in bands for years. Mm-hmm. And I bought some $12 mic on Amazon that just was a USB mic to plug in. The night that we are set to record our first episode, we didn't even know how we were going to record it. Right. <laughs> uh, we, it's, there's a reason it sounds like we're broadcasting live from a garbage disposal on the first 20 episodes or so. Dude, they are brutal. Because before, so I, I've been really trying to look back. So Brandon and I have been doing a lot of archiving of stuff so that that way everything is organized. And, you know, whenever the empire grows to colossal uh, size later on, we're going to be able to look back on this easily and know where we started. And so we're going to put out all the episodes for all the shows so everybody can get to them here starting pretty soon. And I'm really excited about that. So everybody can just go back and start from the beginning. I will say the first 10 episodes of The Outfielder will not be available, though. Those are going to be treasures for later on. And I use treasure in a very loose term here. It's like whenever your cat brings you a dead bird and you're like, oh, thanks for the treasure. (laughs) Yeah, very well said. What do you think, Paul? (laughs) How'd you know my cat was named Paul? I don't know. Just makes sense. Cat sounds just like him. Yeah, it does. But yeah, so like that's that's pretty crazy, though, that we're coming up on a year and like it has been absolutely nonstop for me, as you guys know. So I've been sick for the past like three or four days and He's got a bad case of feline leukemia. Wow, that was a really, really terrible joke to make. <laughs> that's, not, that's not even accidentally funny. That's off your brand, sir. Well, they can't all be winners. They can't all be winners, that's right. Yeah, you gotta have your wife write you some more jokes, apparently. That's right. She, I mean, dude, she's one for one on this show. She's my chief writer of all my funny material. I'm, I'm fine with it. Was it her idea for you to eat a bunch of Oreos in the morning? Uh, no, no, she was not behind the Oreo idea at all. Yeah, few were. Or the coffee idea. Yeah. Mm -mm. And I think it's just because I've been going nonstop. I mean, right now. So, Ben, you know how crazy it was as we got towards the the playoffs for the outfielder and how much content ramped up and, you know, how much more blogging we were doing and how much more outfielder content we were recording. And that's we're right there for football right now. So JB and I have been tearing out football stuff left and right. It's been crazy. Brandon, you have a dog in this football hunt. Do I have a dog in this football hunt? Well, not really. Okay. As long as they're good games, that's all I care about. Totally fair. We're going to yep. do some uh, roundtables, I think, for the AFC and NFC Championship where we're going to get everybody in the company to rotate in and out of some chairs. And awesome. we're going to do kind of like we did for the World Series where we're just going to kind of do like an electric chair type situation where there's probably three or four of us at a time. And, you know, we can all just rap and BS about whatever uh, we want. I think that the live reactions, just like we did for baseball, were, were gold and a lot of fun. When Justin puts his fist through a wall. Yeah, exactly. I could be like one of those viral videos that we've all been seeing of Steelers fans freaking out. Yep. But yeah, so it's been a wild couple of weeks for for football content. We've been having a blast doing it, though. We've been getting up on like Saturday morning and doing a show before all the games start. So that way we can get the listeners some picks out there and make sure you check it out on Between the Hashes. So it is available wherever you get your wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow it on social media. Exactly. So in the the offseason, we're going to do some docu stuff. I think we're going to talk about some historical things, kind of like we did for 10 Cent Beer Night for the outfielder, which was a lot of fun. That was an awesome offseason thing to do. 
I'm hoping we have time to do one more of those before the season gets ramped up. We're not too far from that. No, we're like five, six weeks out. Yep. And so we did our predictions episodes in like April, right? It was before opening day. Okay, so we did them the, like the last two weeks of March. So we're going to get Jimmy Midtown back in here. And we're going to do an NL one, and we're going to do an AL one. And we'll figure out a guess for the AL. I think maybe JB will come on and do AL with us. Awesome. That'll be fun. And Sam can get his actual predictions in this year. Mm-hmm. Brandon, do you want to get some AL and NL predictions in? Sure. <laughs> He's got the Diamondbacks going all the way. Do you have a baseball yeah. team that you prefer? I like the Rangers. Excellent. So they're far from... Uh, well, hey, then he's so good in my book, y'all. There's yeah. so many of you here. But yeah, so another thing we're going to be doing in the offseason is we're going to be doing, I think, an away trip again this year. Ooh, yeah. tell me more. So last year we did the trip to Atlanta to see Sam, but Ben wasn't able to be there. And so this year we committed to doing an actual away trip. We're going to do, we've been talking about several different ideas. Maybe Milwaukee, uh, maybe Colorado to go to Denver. I don't know. We've been talking about a lot of stuff. So yeah, we got about 29 options on the table. So. We do. We do. So we're going to make an away trip. We're going to record a shit ton of content for the outfielder and blogs and stuff like that. It's going to be great. Uh, we should have the new website going by that point. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a 2019, boys. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else on the docket? Uh, so, yeah. The one other thing I wanted to tease a little bit. We have been in the process of creating yet another new show. Interesting. Tell yeah. me more. So, everything that we do is about our content, right? That is what we do. I think one of the things that we've talked about along the way and when Ben and I even started the baseball show was being broad in a sense of being out there for every audience and getting something out there for everybody is really, really important nowadays and it draws us into other things and it it shows you that there's just such a cross-platform type of hunger for different content from different people and you get introduced to that content by kind of following the avenues that you like. And so we had... Added the basketball show pretty immediately after the baseball show, and we added we added Sensible Loud Radio not too long after that, and then we added the football show. So we we're starting to cover all these different avenues, and the one avenue now that feels like it's being asked since we launched the football show in September is we're tired of sports and we want something new. And I am really excited to announce that we are going to be starting a podcast that's going to be all about what the girls like to watch. So The Bachelor, it's going to be you know Real Housewives. And anything in between, they're going to talk football, they're going to talk music, they're going to kind of talk about everything in the sphere of their interest and and what it's like to kind of be a... Female in 2019. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited for this. It's something very new. This is the first thing that we're doing where I don't really have my hand in it. And that's really, really different for me. I think it's super exciting. Tons of really good stuff out there. Yeah, and we're doing some test shows right now, so that'll be, you guys should be looking for that here in the coming probably month, month and a half or so. What do you think, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. What do you think, Paul? Well, and the best part about it is, you know, we always like to cross-promote our different contents. So by having the girls on for radio, uh, having the girls on to other shows, even bringing in some of the sports guys into, you know, we're even talking about doing eventually down the road where all of us of all the shows get together and we just have one big fun session where we're all just, you know, and stuff. We're just going to do big roundtables. Yeah. That'll be our live event at the World Series. Oh be my yeah, dude, the sky's the limit with all this. It's we've gotten to the point now where it's like we're starting to dream bigger and starting to see the bigger picture of everything. And it is I mean, Brandon and I have spent hours 
organizing content and figuring out how to do content the right way. And then Ben and I have spent even more time just dreaming of the way that we structure this and what we want to do and how we want to reach people and what our voice is. It never ends. And I enjoy the hell out of making an effort to make everybody at this company an absolute star. That's the idea, is to put everybody on the map for the great personalities that they have. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was worth it. So it's going to be a big year, guys. I'm excited. I think we have so much more room to grow and adding this this new show. Alrighty. Well, Ben, you came here for a very specific reason. Uh, you're going to talk about your top 10 albums. But what have you been watching lately movie-wise? You were teasing this. Yeah, uh, so I actually have two different things, a little out of character, not necessarily out of character, but a little different for me. My wife recently finished reading the Hunger Games book, so we are three-fourths of the way through those movies. Had she read them before? No, she had never read them, and she keeps asking me to read them. I'm about three chapters into the first book, but I got to tell you, those are some solid films. Have you all seen them? No, I have not. It is certainly worth watching. Brandon? Uh, I've seen the first two, but I never saw the last one. Okay. Yeah. The last one, they split up into two different movies. I tell you, I like the second one more than I liked the first one. Yeah, I remember the second one being pretty dark. And yeah, it was very gritty. Yeah, there's definitely definitely some grit. You know, when you have teenagers in an arena killing each other, like there's definitely a, a grittiness aspect to it. But this is one of those things where I know a lot of people are like, oh, the sequel's never as good as the original or what have you. I, I think that this is one where at least consistently there's a there's a level of good execution throughout. I haven't finished it yet, but that's, that's where we're at. Furthermore, do either of y'all have that new streaming service that's out called Netflix? Is that something y'all have been familiar with? Never heard of it. Is that where you get the DVDs? Exactly, in the mail. That's right. That was awesome no, uh, back in the day. Yeah, Dude, I have so many horror stories from working at Blockbuster when Netflix came out with their DVD. Oh, rental yeah. series. Dude, it was like a whole thing. Wait, anyway. wait, hold on. Wait, pause. Why was that a, a nightmare for... I understand why it was a nightmare for Blockbuster's business, but why was it a nightmare for you as an employee in the store? Because we came out with our own DVD by mail rental service. And then it was a thing where anyone that signed up, like we had to sell it and all that, and then anyone who brought their DVD back instead of mailing it back would get a free movie in store with the hope that when you walk into Blockbuster, you'd buy like popcorn and candy and all that, which you never did. I just, I love that you associate yourself as we with Blockbuster. (laughs) That was a good 12 years ago. He could have been a franchise owner. You never know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been a, a story and a half. If you were, down. yeah. <laughs> so on the think, Netflix, Paul? yeah, on the Netflix, there's a new reality show they have out called Instant Hotel. Have you all seen this? No, no. The idea is so it's set in Australia. So the people are already maddening with their accents, but basically it's like imagine Brandon, you, me, and Justin each have our own separate Airbnb and like. We get our significant other and we try out each other's Airbnb and just spend 40 minutes shitting on each other. Like, it's so much like in bad Australian accents, people talking crap about their these other people's Airbnbs. So a, a typical Tuesday is what you're saying. That's right. That's okay, exactly it. it. So if, if you just need like something to binge through or put on just to make yourself feel a little better about your life, Instant Hotel on Netflix. Gotcha. That sounds cool. They're the worst types of people, y'all. Oh, I bet. So, Ben, real quick, you're going to have 15 seconds to answer to this. What is a well-known drama or comedy film from the 1930s? Uh, the Thin Man. Casablanca. False, right. 1942, bitch. 
Casablanca starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman was released in 1942. Nice. Sir. Well done, Ben. You win our first round of Under the Gun. Oh, so this was the new game show. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to jump in. I'm sorry, Justin. You're totally good. I, I still don't think I could have named another one. What did you say? Uh, so it's, actually, it's a really great series of movies from the 30s and 40s. They made seven of them total. It's called The Thin Man. Okay. It's uh, like a husband and wife duo detective they're like super rich and they're getting just hammered during prohibition and solving crimes it's wonderful is rex banner involved no no it's starring uh william powell and myrna loy not (laughs) a lot of myrna's in 2018 yeah not so many and for reference that came out in 1934 yeah the first one did pretty good it's really interesting too because they ended up like that was before the motion picture association existed and right. so it wasn't rated. They could do and like insinuate different innuendos. And like the next movie came out afterwards and they had to be so much more cautious about like insinuating affairs and all that stuff. Uh, okay. mm, 30s were, a, well, the 20s going into the 30s was a very risque time. Probably. I had no idea think? that when y'all invited me on for tonight, I get to talk about The Thin Man. Y'all want to talk classic movies? I'm game anytime. I, I came up with that question. It's wonderful. I was like, okay, I think he, he'll probably know this. Justin, have you seen Casablanca? Yeah, it's just been a long time. I don't really care for old movies. Who cares? I go to Noah Guys to where we are, but I don't care. Come it's on. okay. We're only talking movies, TV, and music. Who cares about the old stuff? Eh. eh. <laughs> Who cares? Eh. Pretty good. Yeah. No, it's not good. That's that's eh, eh. medium. I, I know I know what the story is. I've seen it once. Don't really need to see it again. But we're Let's not here to talk. Cheeseburger. Great reference, Ben. The last time that we talked about like 19, you know, anywhere from like 1920s to 1940s movies with Ben. It's when you and I got into it about the Jimmy Stewart movies and we got into, well, Robin Williams movies, but it led into Jimmy Stewart and all that. That was a mess. Jimmy Stewart was in the second Thin Man movie. Was he really? Uh, after the Thin Man. I see what you're doing here. See, I thought you were going to say Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. That's what I thought you were going to guess. 1939, directed yep. by Frank Capra. This is why people don't like me, y'all. I'm an insufferable know-it-all. Well, dude, if we ever do a movie trivia thing, oh, man, I would want you on my team. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm taking Jimmy all day long. That's true. Jimmy won our our trivia game. Jimmy Midtown fleeced everybody with some of the unbelievable questions that Ben asked. So he's like a savant. Jimmy's just Jimmy. That's all I can tell you. Jimmy Midtown is an amazing guy, though. So are there more rounds of this game that are going to pop up or is it randomly sporadically throughout? Y'all will ask another question. I don't know. Brandon, do you want to, we can, you, we can under the gun me since you asked Ben one specifically, or we could just do it together. It doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah. I can come up with something for you. Yeah. Uh, you work on that. We'll, we'll get back to this and we'll, we'll come back to that again later on. I think that's a good idea. That was great. That was, that was <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much, gentlemen. This is how we work out show content as we go. All right, Ben, do you want to get started with your top 10 albums? Do, I do. So um, definitely, have I chirped enough about, y'all, about y'all's top uh, top 10 records yet? What was the most surprising of Claire's to you? I didn't realize that Claire was into as quote unquote heavy music. You know, I... Like Taylor Swift? <laughs> no, which, which that was number three like it's her opinion she's entitled to it that was just a little higher than i would have probably ranked that record uh, what was the name of the it, it was the christian rock one that her ex-boyfriend paul introduced her to <laughs> okay first of all amber lynn is what you're talking about i don't there think his go. name was paul <laughs> what, what do you, do you think, think paul, paul? 
<laughs> that was that. the one that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> so good. Any other ones that from my list or any or Brandon's list? I think you covered everybody, right? Yeah, no. Uh, like I said, the the other stuff. I mean, there was a good mix of of old and new, and uh, a lot of good stuff on there. All right. So yes, I actually after listening to y'all, I did get inspired to go through my top slash favorite slash most influential to me sort of albums. And what's interesting is as I was going through the list, like there was a ton of stuff on there that had really, really high potential, but I ended up not going with because it's like a really good first half of the record, but not nearly a strong second half of the record. And I think like an album that really exemplifies that is um, the Wallflowers record, Bringing Down the Horse from 97, produced by T-Bone Burnett. A lot of really good stuff on the A-sides, but just the back half of it is, it's not bad. It's just largely forgettable. It, it doesn't necessarily round itself out well. It's monotonous for sure. That's a really good album, though. One Headlight's an incredible song. It is. Uh, Brandon, were you ever a big Wallflowers guy? Yeah, I, I like the, the Wallflowers, and I do agree with your assessment on that. And that's that's kind of what we kept running into as well. Picking the top 10 is kind of like, well, that's in the running, but you're looking at, at cohesively the entire package. That's right. What were some of your other honorable mentions? So I'm really bummed that I couldn't come up with a solid Beatles record. So I I think that overall, I looked into a ton of classic rock just to think about it. And there's so much good stuff out there. But for one reason or another, it just wouldn't strike me or it was like a compilation record. And I was trying to kind of stay away from those. Like a, a greatest hits record, the Creedence Clearwater Revival, every song on there is golden. But of course, it's a it's a hits record sure. you know so it's largely impactful on my life but it's not necessarily through and through so you couldn't come up with a beatles album there's there's not one no, so my favorite beatles record is sergeant peppers okay let's see so this just further furthers my opinion about the beatles by the way okay stop i'm just saying i just spent way too much money on paul mccartney tickets because i'm not gonna pull a justin with tom petty and- <laughs> fuck you all right. Nice. Piss off. Hey, I, I missed it too. I missed the the boat as well. So please, please be a really good album. Yes, it is. That's got to be the best Beatles album, I think. Abbey Road. Abbey Road's a really good album. I think Please, Please Be's better, but not by a lot. So Abbey Road's really good, but and Abbey Road's probably their strongest through and through. I see but what you're saying though I, about Sgt. Pepper because it's it's very experimental. So it takes you on a musical journey. Well, and here's the thing with Sgt. Pepper. I love the record, but I love it more as a music appreciator. It didn't really hit me in my sort of like growing up development time where I'm really just sampling out what type of music really speaks to me, you know, and there was a Beatles record that did that. It came out when I was a kid. It was their number one compilation mm-hmm. record. I wore that thing out, but it's oh, a compilation. Yeah, I that too. On Please Please Be It Has, I saw her standing there. Anna, Chains, Misery is a really good song. Please Please Me, Love Me Do. PS so I why don't you. you replace your Kanye record with that one, Justin? I'm trying to tell you, this is the best Beatles record out there, asshole. That was the first disagreement Justin and I ever had when we met each other all those years ago. So he was like, I don't really like the Beatles. And I was like, I don't really want to talk to you. That's not what I said. I said, I think that the Beatles are overrated. The greatest songwriting duo of generations. But you probably talked to him at the end of a workday and he was tired and he was like, uh, the Beatles are yeah, no, know. no. I I stand behind that take. I think that's a good take. Still, I think they're a little bit popularized for. 
I think they were absolutely revolutionary. I take nothing away from them in that aspect of things. I just think that there's a portion of their following that's so nostalgic that it's borderline sickening. So, like, okay. in other words, it's it's like if you want to jump onto the bandwagon of the hippie type of uh, like Grateful Dead, right? Like into that like region of things. That's the perfect place to jump on is like Sergeant Pepper's. I'm not but, saying I, I I should should be that way, but I feel like people jump onto that and then try to claim themselves as something that they're really not that into because they're into a popular Beatles album. Does that make sense? So I'm a Patriots fan. Oh my god, that was great! So here's the thing. Sorry when that they win, pal. Five rings. Not sorry. No, no, no. I'm I'm talking about the bandwaggers. You. Idiot. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> that could have gone either player? way if you look at it. Well, here's the thing, though. With I don't think it's right to loop the Beatles in with like the Dead or Fish or anything. <laughs> I think they're. Okay. I don't think of them sure, as a right. hippie band. I think that they kicked off a ton of the hippie movement and exemplified it in '67. But I think they grew out of that before they broke up in '70. But I don't think that it has to do with them necessarily. I think it's it's the following around them. It's not necessarily them. Does that so make sense? you hate quote. Beatles unquote fans yeah like yeah like I respect the fact that there are true Beatles fans out there that know every single song and that are deep into the catalog just like Tom Petty fans or anything else I appreciate that and I think those people are awesome and that's where I understand why the Beatles or command the respect that they do I just think that people tend to jump on that bandwagon really quickly and that's that that's a disservice to the Beatles if that makes any sense sure that's what I'm saying I hear you. Uh, another classic rock record that I really thought about putting on there was um, the Rolling Stones' Let It Bleed. Great album through and through. That's it was released good. after the Beatles broke up. And for me, that's whenever the Stones started coming to their own. They had about a four or five record run there. I want to say from 68 to 73. Yep. And that's, that's their strongest stuff by far. That was one of the ones I was going to add in my top 10, but I just couldn't get it in there. Yep. A really, really good album. That was a breakthrough album, it felt like. Mm-hmm. didn't it have like a cake on the cover or something like that yeah it's like different layers it's a record it's a cake it's a okay. bicycle tire yeah it's something like that i remember my dad having the vinyl what else cool you want to get us uh, kicked off yeah so number 10 how many of y'all would say that green day is a influential band uh, there's a lot of nerds okay. that would say yes to that okay <laughs> what about what about rancid wait <laughs> okay uh, we're getting a little more obscure here. Brandon, thoughts? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. When it comes to influence, neither of those bands would exist without this one band. So this will probably be the deepest cut I have, uh, but it's Operation Ivy Energy. The record came out in 1989. Green Day's first show was opening for these guys. Two of the guys went on to um, to form Rancid, Tim Armstrong and Matt Freeman. Tim Armstrong, notable producer, produced a pink record. Jimmy Cliff's Grammy winning record. Fox but like, this was like, What's that? Boxcar Racer. Yep. He did the Boxcar Racer record, started Hellcat Records under Epitaph. Really solid stuff, but it all goes back to these four kids from the East Bay area just playing ska punk before ska punk was a thing. So Operation Ivy Energy, check it out. That's a real good album, and I'm not even that much into ska music at all. Yep. All right, number nine. So I hate to agree with Justin and Claire on something, but I had to put it in there. The first CD I ever purchased... Blink-182, Enema of the State. Ah. Yep. It's outstanding through and through. What's to be said that y'all didn't cover on it last week, uh, except that my mom made me turn the t- the CD cover inside out. Yeah, makes sense. What are your main tracks? What what are your go-tos on that album? 
well, it's solid through and through. Aliens exist, going away to college, dysentery, Gary, and Mutt. Those three, those, okay, so those are some of my favorites as well. Those three in a row that are aliens exist, going away to college, and dysentery, Gary, are the three, three, like, in succession, greatest, like, kind of arrangement of songs on an album, I feel like there are in, like, Pop Pump. No, it's right up there. Brandon, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, that album was everywhere when it came out. Brandon's big on the cover. <laughs> Remember the music video? Pretty good. Okay, coming in at, <laughs> um, at number eight, um, this one I kept coming back to. I thought it was going to get weeded out, but it has so much staying power. Uh, it came out in 2012. It's the Alabama Shakes with Boys and Girls, their first big record. Tons of good stuff on there, even outside of their like singles on there. Like Hold On is an amazing single. Great way to start a record. But some of the deeper tracks on there made it onto the Silver Linings Playbook soundtrack. Just a lot of really good stuff and some just good authentic sort of, you know, it's not really indie. It's not really alt sort of vibes on there. And um, I could put that record on probably two times a week for the rest of my life and be just fine with it. It's sort of like Southern Rock, but current Southern Rock. Southern yeah, rock like in a way. Not, not Southern Rock like Skinnerd. I'd say more like... It's so a progressive out the map. Yeah. It's very uplifting. I like the energy and a lot of the songs that they I mean, that was a great album. I can't remember her last name right now. Um, but Brittany, oh God, what's her name? Anyway, she's absolutely great songwriter, great singer, wonderful presence. Anyway, Alabama Shakes, Boys and Girls. Pretty good. All right. I had a really hard time ranking some of these out. So any of these can kind of probably shuffle back and forth on there. Something maybe a few spots higher or lower than I stated here. But the first major with an asterisk label debut by the old Crow Medicine show, OCMS. For those of you who are big fans of the Darius Rucker hit Wagon Wheel, uh, that was from these guys uh, and Bob Dylan. So they started out just playing on street corners got quote-unquote discovered. Now they're members of the grand old freaking Opry. Dylan wrote like the skeleton of that song or something like that, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, he was in a movie with Chris Christopherson and uh, James Coburn in 72 or 73 called Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And one of the bootleg outtakes from that, uh, the singer from Old Crow came in and penciled in some verses and turned it into a hit. And then Darius Rucker made it a number one song. Go figure, right? I always loved that song. I, I was always surprised that nobody had ever heard it. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Uh, next up, uh, once again, this is formu- uh, formative years, probably ninth or 10th grade. I wore this out cover to cover, Bad Religion Against the Grain. So I, I probably found it 02 or 03, but this record was 10 years old at that point. It was before they signed to Atlantic, before their guitar player quit to really make Epitaph huge right kind of in the years before punk really broke in 94 just great lyrics by greg graffin uh, evolutionary biology professor at ucla wonderful thought-provoking stuff and it just made me think music can be more than just you know yeah 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 like you can have songs about entropy and you can songs have songs about hell even at that point 92 singing about the ridiculousness of the flatter society like you know these tracks have staying power they were never really my thing too much, but I know that's a really good album. Yep. Yeah, t- standout tracks on there. Uh, track five to track six really stands out. It's the positive aspect of negative thinking right into uh, anesthesia, uh, anesthesia. And then later on, you get one of their biggest hits, which is 21st Century Digital Boy. I am familiar with that one. That's a good song. 
Yep. Coming in, now we're in the top five. 2004, Streetlight Manifesto, Everything Goes Numb. This is probably the most ska record on here. Seven-piece band from New Jersey. Just really great live, authentic music. This is their first big record. Uh, the singer had been in a band beforehand called Catch-22. That was on Victory. And then uh, these guys released this record on Victory. They had all their crap stolen, uh, as bands tend to have happened. But uh, Bruce Springsteen ended up replacing all their instruments for him because yeah. his son really liked them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Just, you know, New Jersey guys taking care of each other. Yeah, Streetlight Manifesto, everything goes numb. Their other records are also super solid. They had a huge lawsuit, multi-million dollar lawsuit with Victory Records trying to get the rights back to their own music. But yeah, Streetlight Manifesto. I actually met those guys one time. Yeah. I met them at Warped Tour. Yeah, I opened for them probably three or four times, but just awesome. Was it at Warped Tour? No, I never played Warped Tour. Damn. Sorry, we forget. I'm the the opposite of anyone that was cool enough to get to play Warped Tour. (laughs) I'm the guy making puns and watching movies from the 1930s. I'm fine with that. It worked out for you on this episode. Thank you. All right, what's next? Next up, I didn't mean to do back-to-back Jersey, but uh, this is the one exception to the kind of rule that we're looking for with no soundtracks or compilation records. I had to throw it in here. The soundtrack to the movie Garden State. It's almost like Zach Braff makes you a personal mixtape. And through and through on here, there's so many great tracks on there. You know, it now probably the movies, I don't know if it holds up as well. I kind of am refusing to go back to watch it now that it's been like 15 years. But uh, Garden State soundtrack for me, like that one got me through a lot. What are the standout tracks for you? So you actually get a really good cover, Iron and Wine covering the Postal Service song, Such Great Heights. Mm. Uh, but uh, one of the middle tracks on there, Lebanese Blonde by Thievery Corporation, mixes in yes. sitar with some techno grooves, and it's really good. I'm a big fan of Thievery Corporation. So yeah. yeah. Well, in Thievery Corp, my favorite record by them is probably Richest Man in Babylon. And yep. this, yeah, that track sounds like it could have been on, on Babylon. It wasn't, but it sounds like it could have been. I yeah, I like that mix with acoustic and everything else in it. So great. Yep. Absolutely, man. It's solid. Pretty good. What are some of your favorites off that soundtrack? Man, it's really hard for me because it go well, so first of all, I used to study to it. So it's it was it was always background music for me. But oh, gotcha. it at the same time, like it flows so well. Let me oh, yeah, let so- go by Frau Frau is another good one on there. Yeah, that's a good one. For me, I I like the early days Coldplay. So Yeah, Colt uh, Don't Panic's on there. Uh, in the waiting line, zero seven. That's where I first discovered zero seven, uh, which of course Sia was the lead singer for. Plus, how can you mention it without mentioning the Shins? Oh yeah, yeah. the Shins are all over that movie. Yeah, that jumped out to me too. Yeah, Thievery Corporation. Oh, the Simon and Garfunkel work in is so great too with the only boy in New York. Wonderful track. Yes, absolutely. It's just so such anyway, a breakup. I love that it the way the momentum goes and then it breaks to that is very almost jarring, but it works. It works. Very really cinematic. Well. Yeah. Correct. I read that whenever he sent off the screenplay, he included copies of the soundtrack. Like he, he uh, wrote the screenplay with these certain songs in place and like whoever he was pitching it to, he'd say like, all right, now play this song while you're reading this scene, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That's the way to do it. Excellent mm-hmm. mission. Yeah. So I thought if I was going to break our soundtrack rule for something, that would be what I would break it for. Pretty worth it. Yep. Easily deserving of the top five. N- another standout track, self-titled debut from Weezer, the blue album. Mm, that's a really good album. Yes. That's another one. I mean, we're talking desert Island top five on there. Solid track. Uh, you get another really good, just track after track after track is solid on that, like through and through both sides of the record. Maybe the only weakest track on there is um, track nine. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Like, everything is good. 
dude, so it starts off with my name is Jonas, which is an. Inc- I, I always picture you with your mohawk that you had that was like straight, you know, like the, with the spikes and everything. Or no, didn't Dan have the spikes? I always forget. Yeah, yeah, my twin brother had the nine inch Liberty yeah, spikes. Duster, Duster Dan, but you just had the regular mohawk, yeah, right? Yeah. At the time though, um, we you could only have one mohawk in a band for every four people, <laughs> so uh, he he rocked it much better than I did. So you added more people. That's right. We were a ska band, so <laughs> yeah. I think the most we ever had was nine people. Oh my god, that's so ridiculous. There was wow. there was this not cool. Like there were at least a show or two where our horn section outnumbered the audience. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, so it opens up as my name is Jonas. The world has left me here, or turned and left me here is awesome. Buddy Holly might be one of the most iconic singles from that era, mm-hmm. I would say. The sweater song is the best, Undone. Say It Ain't So is a classic in the garage. Only in Dreams is a great closing out for that album as well. Yes. It, it's With that, that bass riff up front, just that walking, rolling, rumbling bass. Yeah, and the easy drums coming in. Oh, man, it's perfect. So that was, which number was that? Three. That's yep. a good one good. for three. That was in my honorable mentions. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, next up, the one and only bard himself, Mr. Robert Allen Zimmerman. That's right. I'm talking about yours truly, Bob Dylan with Highway 61 Revisited, 1960 and five. Nice. Wow. So this is number two. I can't imagine what number one is going to be. I thought this would have been number one for you. I had coworkers once who made me a birthday cake and they said it wasn't complete with silly decorations until Justin put a picture of Bob Dylan on it. So I'm kind of a big Dylan head. Did I do, <laughs> do that? <you> know that? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I did you, that. You made, made a Bob Dylan meme for my <laughs> birthday cake <laughs> like five years ago. <laughs> that sounds about right, though. <laughs> I probably have 30 or so of his um, of his vinyls and bootlegs and rarities and stuff. But I mean, nowhere close to scratching the surface of what all this Nobel Prize winning lyricist has done. You know, everything he does is great for me, but it gets no better than just his first full electric record. And hell, even Springsteen said when he hears that first, I think the quote is when he heard the first snare drum hit, it was like someone kicking open the door to his mind. That's from Bruce Springsteen. Like that's high praise. Yeah. Yeah. That that's wild, man. That's such a good album. I was, I'm shocked that that's not your number one. So I can't imagine what that's going to be. Brandon, you a fan of, of old Bobby D? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of all on the watchtower. Hendrix is just absolute gold on his versions. Mm-hmm. And uh, DMB also has excellent live versions of that song. They change every time so now when dylan plays watchtower live he will play the hendrix version like that instrumentation of it because he prefers it really yep. all right really quick so justin you have 15 seconds name five danny devito films okay so oh fuck okay so god damn it i can't do <laughs> um okay so get shorty Number one, be cool. Number two, fuck. I got two of them. <laughs> okay. Pretty Dude, good. all I could think about was It's Always Sunny, but that's not a movie. <sighs> yep. Uh, when I pitched the idea to Brandon, it wasn't Danny DeVito, and I love that it became Danny yeah, DeVito. Dude. He was like, oh, just ask him a sports question. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm going to ask him something else. All he I didn't could, even mention Ruthless People or whatever uh, it's called. Yeah, Ruthless People. Dude, yeah, I've got all I could picture was Danny DeVito on It's Always Sunny coming naked, greasy out of that goddamn couch in the Christmas episode. Yeah. You remember when he like burst through the leather couch? That's all I'd I could probably, think about for whatever reason. I'd probably start with Batman. Batman Returns, and then Twins with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, and I, 
yeah. What was the the Christmas movie with him and Oh God Ray um, Romano? That's what I was thinking of as well. Deck the Halls or Jingle All the Way or name was Deck the Halls. Yeah, yeah. Jingle All the Way with Schwarzenegger and Phil Hartman. That's right. That's all I could think about. That was a good well one. Done, sir. Dad was in that too, wasn't sir. he? God oh my God. <laughs> God damn it. Let's not go there again. Because that's inevitably going to lead us to Shaq, which we all know where that gets us. Just some subpar hip-hop. Did I tell you I ran into him at the mall? You literally Shaq. ran into him, right? Yes. I was at North Park Mall in Frisco, and I'm coming out of a store, and my wife stops and like tries to grab me, and I look to my left, and at my face level, I'm five foot eleven, and at my face level is this man's chest, and it's just the Superman logo. And I look up, and it's like, oh my god, it's Shaquille O'Neal. And we like kind of ran into each other, and kind of had to do like the awkward thing. Then he was off on his way. You know, people were gawking at him. I wanted to stop him so I could bust his chops about Shazam, but <laughs> oh my Kazam. god, what? that's what it was. Yeah, Kazam. Yeah, not Shazam. Why does Sinbad end up coming up on this show more often than he doesn't? Any I don't idea? know. Any idea? Sinbad's been on the show more than I have. We talk about Sinbad every like three episodes, I swear. We'll get him on here. So first of all, that's your department at this company. And second of all, I'm pretty sure you've reached out. Yeah, my carrier pigeons keep coming back. Yeah, man. Undeliverable. Hate when that Their happens. Their legs bitten off. <laughs> As he's scratching for food. Jesus. All right, your number one album, Ben. You don't you don't think Sinbad watched his money very well? Yeah. You don't think he watched the thirty for thirty broke? Wow. <laughs> All right. That's definitely about athletes. Anyway, Ben Baseball's number one record. Once again, context. This is about records that hit you at the right time. This is about most influential to me as a person, and I have to go with the Avett Brothers with emotionalism. Wow. Okay. Tell me more. This is like for me, put it on repeat, like absolutely solid through and through. As I was getting into Old Crow, like in 05 and 06, I was like, I kept seeing people saying, oh, the Avett Brothers, you should check out the Avett And I hated people recommending the Avett Brothers to me. I like was pretentious about it. And I was like, no, I can't like more than one folksy band. That'll ruin my cool streak or whatever. But when this record came out, just amazing tracks, Paranoia and B-flat minor, Shame, Die, 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 Pretty Girl from Chile. Like there's just so many great tracks. Have any of, have y'all heard any of their stuff? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and it's just three guys, isn't it? Yeah. So, and at that point too, that was their first time where they added in a, a fourth member on the cello. Uh, but at that point, it was just the two brothers on banjo and guitar and vocals and then an upright bass player. Gotcha. Ben, you were definitely one of those people that if someone recommended a band, you not only hated that band, but you usually hated them for recommending anything to you at all, right? I now am like rediscovering music that people recommended that I would refuse to listen to just because I was that stuck up and pretentious. Like there is no bigger like music bully or jerk than been circa 2007 i just find that so crazy considering how not like that you are now i've certainly mellowed out yeah you've definitely found your the error of your ways because there's some good stuff out there that you probably don't know about you should actually Absolutely. check out amberlin i think you would like them i dislike you for making a recommendation son of a bitch <laughs> some things never change set myself up for that one <laughs> Yeah, it's a good album, man. That was a really interesting time for like folk rock because it didn't really, there wasn't much of it out. I mean, there was some stuff like Guster and whatnot that was trying to be like non-traditionalist a little bit that way, but it never really took off until some of these albums started to really come out and get forward. Yeah, Steel this Train is the was... record that got Rick Rubin's attention and then he signed the Avett Brothers to American Records and then they made their first like major-ish label stuff and then Old Crow got signed shortly thereafter 
And so this was like right in that wheelhouse of where the water's just about boiling, but it hadn't quite started to bubble up yet. Yeah. Well, that is an awesome top 10, man. Well done. We're going to do a uh, episode here pretty soon where we're going to talk about the documentary, The Defiant Ones, and we're going to talk about Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre for an episode. And it's funny because a lot of those older projects that we mentioned throughout this are things that Jimmy Iovine touched. And people don't have a clue how much of a a heavyweight he and people like Rick Rubin are in the music industry. John Landau, all those kinds of guys. So we're going to be talking about that here pretty soon. So it's great that those kind of came up along our through our discussion so and i knew most of the jimmy Iveen ones but even on their stuff like him working with trent Reznor and nine inch nails him telling gwen stefani hey in 12 months you'll be a star like yeah. stuff like that it's just like who is this guy yeah right it's an absolute maniac and he's responsible for so many more things than people realize so we're gonna be talking about that at some point pretty soon brandon what have you been oh you were you had something to review right yeah so uh i don't i was gonna ask ben because i know he is a, a netflixer uh flickster whatever you want to call yeah, that's it right. Perfect. Yeah. what was uh, it whenever they separated the business they called it the you know the dvd and the streaming they separated what did they call it quickster or something like that i think that was a different company i think no. netflix was always I don't think so. Netflix tried to like separate itself at one point from the streaming and the DVD mailing business. That must have been go- that must have been one of that one weird year. I have no memory of this. Keep talking amongst yourselves. Let me find this. Okay, it's probably pre-iPhone. So well, while we're doing this, Brandon, why don't you rank the Batman films? Go. The Batman. Okay, so excluding 1966. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to go with uh, Batman Begins. Uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman 89, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Okay, so you'll put all three of the Christian. Where? 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 So you'll put all three of the uh, Nolan ones above any of the Burton ones? Yes. I've gone back and I've watched all the Batman movies probably more times than I would like to admit. Uh, But the Christopher Nolan ones are just expertly done. It's more true to the comics, which is what I grew up on. The 89 Batman has a nostalgic and a a really good place in my heart. So it still is in the top where I put that as four. Uh, So it's in the top five. But there's a lot of things that it got wrong such as the Joker. The Joker's origin is a mystery. It's not Jack Napier. Sorry to people that have never read the comic before. And two, he kills the Joker at the end. Now, he may not have intentionally killed the Joker, but he tied him up to a gargoyle, so what else is going to happen when he falls off the helicopter? Talk about a snob. Yeah. Gargoyle with the there. Misfits song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Recommending albums to Ben here? <laughs> no, um... <laughs> I, so I don't just I think the Nolan Batmans are incredible. I mean, when Batman Begins came out and then especially when the Dark Knight came out, like we're talking cinematic game changers. How many different movies and movie franchises then gave things the quote unquote Christopher Nolan treatment when it comes to that was like the main quote gritty reboot that started this entire thing. So I definitely agree that they're incredible. I just don't know at what point does nostalgia get you any sort of credit. For example, I'm going to say Batman Returns is better than the than the original Batman. Okay. Uh, why, why do you say that? 
I think you get better villains that are, like you said, more true to the origin story. Okay. Yes. Yes and no. But the penguin was never some creature that came from the sewers that ate fish and gargled and had black stuff coming from his mouth. Well, that was just Danny DeVito as an actor. I don't think that was a character choice. (laughs) To to me, I felt like Batman Returns was more of a Tim Burton film than it was a comic book film. That's fair. What do you got against Tim Burton? Just kidding. (laughs) Well, it was just, it was a lot of that. And it was a lot of uh, Warner Brothers like, oh, well, we need to have this. And he needs to have a new suit and he's got to have, you know, it was all about marketing. It was, you know, as you know, with the 90s, then it got way out of hand when Joel Schumacher came in with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. All right. So September 18th, 2011, Netflix announced it would split and rebrand the DVD mail service as Quickster. That's 10 points for Justin, the founder, coming in 10 points. Winner. 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 Nice. Did not know that obscure reference. That's so, so obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) That is. Just like every other intro and transition that we've ever created on these shows. Yeah, that one could probably be trimmed by a few seconds. Never. I'm excited for Jimmy Midtown to be back for the uh, outfielder so we can play his intro music because it's the best intro music there is. Autotune, man. For anything ever. All right. So now that we've had a wonderful little thing, Brandon, what have you been watching? So, uh, and I was going to ask you if you've watched this, Ben, if you and your your wife have watched Bird Box. It's on our list. Uh, We're going to watch it this weekend, but we have not turned on the old Bird Box yet. Gotcha. So it's it's all the buzz that's been going on, whether it's between that or the Black Mirror movie. Um, I will be watching the Black Mirror thing sometime soon, but... So Bird Box stars Sandra Bullock. Uh, John Malkovich has a very special, interesting character. So he's worth watching just alone. But of course, I didn't find out till after I watched the movie because it was kind of low key. But Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the soundtrack. Excellent musical score. I listened to it as a companion piece outside of it. But as far as the movie goes, it's based off a novel. I felt like it had some callings to The Happening versus a couple other Twilight Zone episodes, things of that nature. I felt like it was really well done, uh, really great acting over the board. Directors really got something going for them, but I felt like they probably could have cut a few things. It kind of dragged on a little bit towards the end. It was it was pretty long, and they didn't really explain exactly what was terrorizing them, but it's kind of an end-of-days Armageddon type of setup. But I, I thought it was really well done uh, as far as Netflix goes. Okay. So I I read an interesting thing the other day, and it's like, I guess they tweeted out something about how they have a hit on their hands. And I think it's going to be really interesting in the next little bit to see how does Netflix start to quantify success? Because the company used to think about, is it subscribers? Is it new users? Is it continued loyalty numbers? And now they are starting to look at what are our streaming numbers. But that's kind of like in opening Pandora's box because they have so much stuff out there that's done nowhere near as well as Bird Box. So are they saying by saying Bird Box is a success? Are they saying that they haven't had success before? Well, they've had it, but you look at the Marvel shows that they're now axing and there's only a few uh, left because now Disney has their Disney Plus streaming service coming online. 
But the the great thing about Netflix is it's a very good conduit for stand-up comedians. There's mm-hmm. so many stand-up specials, but now you have more and more being invested into original content for their shows. So you bring up an excellent point. It's kind of like, well, how much is too much? Then where do you start losing money because you're putting too much into different pockets and pots that you think are going to get viewership and you're not getting it? It's a battle that we fight every day in the content world, huh? If you really think That's right. about it. That's why I keep investing in stand-up comedians. We know what that sound means. It's time for us to get out of here. We want to thank everyone for joining us for this edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. If you love the show, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends and family. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and of course at SensiblyLoud.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. Thank you.